Hi, everybody. We're back with another episode of Bollywood Reviews, Views, and Gossip. Shri and I are here because, because we're going to tell you where Scott is. Where is Scott? Scott is in Hawaii. <laughs> so he's gone for a vacation to Hawaii and he's going to be back in another couple of weeks. So we are definitely going to miss him. And we got to do without him. So, guys, I know Scott's got a lot of fans. Um, I know, <laughs> I know you guys are missing him. But you know what we're going to do to make up for Scott not being there? We're going to make reface videos of Scott and post a lot of them so that you guys don't miss his presence. I actually made a really cute one, Scott and a cow. And we post it right after we're done recording. I swear okay. you will enjoy that one. I <laughs> so, trust you. I trust you. I've enjoyed all the reface videos up until now. Really? Aren't they great? I mean, yeah, all shout out to me is Kendall Jenner, Emma Watson. Wow. I've killed I'm Bill. My dream. dream. Kill Bill. My dream. <laughs> but having said that, um, I know you watched um, The Serpent this week. Serpent. Next week, we've got four, two shows and two movies to watch, and we've got only a couple of days to do it. So uh, that's going to be tough because everything releases on Friday. Just like James Bond released yesterday. Did you get to watch mm. James Bond yet? I did not. I'll probably go tomorrow. I'll watch it. And we could probably include it in our, in our reviews next week. But um, we got two... One show and one movie, and then we did a really nice interview with Rajiv Satyal, the famous comedian Rajiv Satyal, and we got that as well that we're going to plug in. Mm. And so you want to hear what we're going to do today? All right, so we're going to review Intrusion, which is uh, streaming on Netflix. It is a movie that just dropped featuring Frida Pinto. And then we're going to review Serpent, the series on Netflix based on the life of the famous um, gangster, murderer, hippie, trail con artist, Charles, Charles Sobrage. Absolutely. So you, wanna, you want me to get started with Intrusion first? You got it. Take it away, Bessie. Okay. So I know it's... It's nearing Halloween season because I see all my neighbors have set up their Halloween decorations and everything. But Netflix has started dropping platefuls of chillers and thrillers into their bottomless content pit. <laughs> A case in point is Intrusion. It is director Adam Salke's psychological home invasion slash neutral drama starring Frida Pinto and Logan Marshall Green. And uh, when, whenever you think Frida Pinto, uh, we all like her, don't we? Right after, you know, Slumdog Millionaire. We haven't seen her a lot in, in shows and movies, but here she is. The story is that Mira, her name, is, uh, Frida Pinto's name in the series, um, she's a youth counselor who survived a cancer scare, and uh, she lives in New Mexico's desert. Uh, with her with her husband who has built a sprawling ultra modern home for them that looks like you know some somebody just designed and architected this just to make the wife be be happy um just for the wife that that's what it's it's kind of laid out as and um and um basically um you know um she, her husband loves her a lot um he is an architect who designed uh, this very harsh up angle museum kind of a home and uh, and uh, it's you know it's it's just that henry's character right from the start is um although this this they show that he's excellent at architecturing and they can afford things uh, there are things about him that are weird, you know, uh, he, he's a little clenched in the teeth, a little uptight. He says all the perfect things to Mira. However, uh, you know, he, he's kind of shown as being there for 100%. He's like, you know, if you were to look at it from outside, he just ticks all the boxes of being the right hus husband. And he bull creams the crap out of his hair as well. But 
big glasses. But then um, between two of them uh, living in this big home, they have an invasion one fine day. And uh, that's when the things start, um, uh, start kind of... Uh, kind of becoming weird for Mira because she starts questioning him. Um, she starts questioning, um, he, he almost kills a guy on on uh, on the day the invasion occurs and he's very cold-blooded about it and that kind of uh, makes Mira panic a little bit. Um, and there is, of course, a detective and, a, you know, a, a, a co the cops come out of nowhere and, you know, so it's, it's just all the things that go into making a thriller happen. And, um, well, no spoilers here about what happens after the, the break-in happens or whatever whatever else. Um, it's kind of, um, it's supposed to be more corn girlish, double jeopardy mixed with Don't Breathe or, or Parasites look. You know, it's it's those characters. Um, um, I... I I, I I was expecting a lot more from this thriller, but it just did not deliver for me. Mm -hmm. Well, no spoilers here, but no, it did not deliver. Uh, Mira has a traumatized. Mira is traumatized. There is this entire story in the back backdrop of that home invasion that unravels slowly for Mira, and she kind of she begins to trust him and then she doesn't and then she comes to know what exactly is happening behind the home invasion and that's what the story is about um you know i'm not the the thriller horror uh, horror person i'm a thriller person but i'm not a horror person this is a thriller slash horror mystery all all combined but um I, there wasn't a lot i mean it was so unbelievably predictive um mm. i just did not feel that they left anything over there in this entire movie that we could have just left for, to guesswork. Mm -hmm. um, given um, Frida Pinto's last movie, uh, I know if you watch, uh, uh, wasn't it Hill, 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 Hillbilly Edgley, right? I'm not Hillbilly, sure. Hillbilly I haven't Edgley. seen that one either. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was great. We expecting this to be a great you know, pick for her as well. And now that she's pregnant with her, with a boyfriend slash fiance, and they just bought a new home in Los Angeles, everything looks uh, amazing in her career of, you know, how she's managed it so far coming from India all the way to LA. Uh, we'd hope that she'd pick up a good movie. And the reason I picked it up was because of course she's Indian. And, you know, we always cover Indian artists, Indian Americans and Indian artists. We, uh, we, we, we are the hub for them. And I thought, um, um, I thought this would, this would be another great pick, but I'm sorry. Well, no, um, that's where I leave it. Um, so, you know, if you have time, watch it for the sake of Frida Pinto, if you love her. Um, but there's really, even with the, the things that we haven't told you, because there'll be spoilers, um, there isn't much to watch. Mm -hmm. All right. So is there anything about the direction, the, I guess, like we could say the actors, maybe even the way that it's produced that at least stands out? Um, you know, of course, um, technically there isn't, uh, I mean, it's, it's very well done technically, mm -hmm. but it is so predictable. The writing is so, uh, let me just, Adam Salke uh, was, was a director also of uh, I Smile Back, which was also a great thriller, but what I found, what I really found missing over here was the, just the predictability of the plot just makes an entire thriller go south. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, they, they develop her character pretty well and you feel for her and you really don't, don't want her to suffer. You kind of start feeling for her, but then... Uh, Henry, her husband, who's Marshall Green, of course, um, he's also created in a way where you start hating him. So you know those 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 plots and subplots were really well built till the event occurs, but mm -hmm. um, it just doesn't make you um, feel for the story together. Oh. You don't care much. Right. So I think I think it's just the writing was very uh, predictable. 
sometimes there are so many stories that just get ruined because you expect what the ending is going to be ahead of time, even if everything in the movie could have been laid out so that, you know, you can have a very unpredictable sort of suspenseful and thrilling conclusion, but they choose not to act on it for some reason. It's like they play on the traditional tropes and they're just like, you know what, people who come here for horror already know how it's going to end anyway. And this is like a tried and true research method of how good horror movies are. So we're going to use the same trope again. Yeah, I think that's what went wrong here. It was the same tropes being used that have been used like 50,000 times before. And, you know, I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, it, you know, you know the film is limited, and and right. then after a while, you feel everything is BS because the moments that matter the most, um, the editing and and sometimes the camera angles just don't just just take the action away from the plot. Well, we have pretty much summed that up right there. So if you had to rate it out of 10, what would it be, Merle? Uh, like four. Okay, everyone. Now we know not to watch that one. Yeah. And also, you know, if, you, if you're watching shows on Netflix, um, normally Netflix wants you to have the hook a lot earlier in, in, the, in the movie because that's how their, their viewership numbers work. Um, for example, um, you know, it's like when when it comes to evaluating if a movie is a hit or a miss, at least commercially, um, Netflix uses uses some metrics because box office has numbers. What does Netflix have? Netflix has um, how how long did your audience stick? So they like their their series to have um, have their hooks much in advance of the show mm-hmm. because you don't want viewers we are sitting at home and watching right or on the mobile devices so if um if they want their their shows to work they want hooks much earlier so that audience stays um and this one doesn't i mean this just didn't make the cut because you know i watched it because hey i had to review it um but um but um a lot of people will not because the hook and the entire intrusion happens 20 minutes in to the uh, to, to the story. But Netflix, you know, the hook is supposed to be two minutes. Yes. It's a low threshold for entry. Um, just put your hooks up 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes into that episode and, you know, uh, make it happen. But, yeah, that's how All Netflix right. works. Um, last it, thoughts it's it's how song. they it's how they calculate their membership their their um, their success rate for a show or a movie two minutes it is and 20 minutes oh my god 20 minutes now it's gonna take a lot for you to go it's painful to see the characters unravel themselves Oof. they gave you one rule and y'all couldn't even do that yes Namaste, everybody. Hello, this is comedian Rajiv Sathyal, and you're listening to me on Desis.Live. Desis.Live, this is Shira. Sh- Shriya. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call us, hey, we should have a name. <laughs> That's our ship name. That's our Shriyal. ship name, Shiral. So, this is Shiral, back with you. And when Scott comes over, what are we going to call ourselves? Shiral. We're going to have to add... on um this is our live show and we got another um we got a series to review and this series is actually uh pretty interesting it is called serpent and it streams on netflix now shri i know you watched the entire thing i did watch parts of it so let's talk about serpent let's talk about it so there is um a show it's an eight-part limited series that's what they like to call it and it originally aired in the UK had 13 no excuse me 31 million views I think within the first week of release so it was such a big show that they actually brought it over to the US and it follows the real life story of a criminal serial killer so this is the story of Charles Sobrach and excuse me if I'm getting the name wrong it stars Tahar Rahim. 
Am I correct in that? That you're is, right. You're right. Yeah, he plays the lead role, so he plays the main criminal, and the story follows this man who basically just murders tourists in the UK from between 1975 to 1976, and the way he does it is he's French, but his He's a mixed Indian and Vietnamese descent. So that makes sense in his name, Charles Sobraj. And he drugs and then he robs these travelers, all of these like little young backpackers who are traveling alone through Europe. And he goes, he drugs them, he robs them, and then he ends up murdering them. Then he uses their fake IDs to travel the world. And his cover story is that he's a gem dealer, but he uses stolen gems and he sells them all over the world. And as if this wasn't enough, his girlfriend, Marie-Andre Lalarc, excuse me if I'm saying that wrong, she does this with him. So this man is just out here like killing all these people because he's like, nobody's going to care about backpackers who are, you know, traveling through like the UK. They're, don't, they're not even from here. Nobody's going to think to like trace them down, especially in this country if they're traveling alone, which by the way, Please travel safely if you're backing, backpacking through any foreign country. This is just like a PSA from all of us at Daisy's Live. It and, is. And he, <laughs> it he's is. Like, he's at like the peak of his career when somebody finally decides to start looking at these cases. They're like, you know what? We've had a lot of like people who are being kidnapped and missing. And there's only one Dutch diplomat. He's not even like an actual investigator. He's not with the police. He's just some random Dutch diplomat who's like, Maybe we should look into why all of these Dutch tourists are being murdered. And then he follows that process, which is like the entire series. And all his clues are like leading to Sobraj. So he starts like following his trail. And then he sees that he's like, oh, he's been murdering his victims. And then he learns that there are more accomplices, more than just his girlfriend. There's some other Indian guy named Ajay Choudhury. And yeah. And the Dutch crazy. embassy... It's but, insane. Hey, hey, did you know that he was born? Uh, so his real name is Harchand Bhavanani Gurumok Charles Shobrat. That was his real name. And his father was Indian and his mother was Vietnamese. And he was born okay. in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. And his parents had never married. And his father denied paternity for the longest time. And then his mother's new husband was a French army lieutenant stationed in Vietnam at that point in time. And mm -hmm. that's how he kind of kind of grew up. Y'all, this is all based on a true story. If you search it up on Google, the first question is, is a serpent based on a real story? It is. Yes, Apparently, it is. Charles is now being held in Nepal. That he's actually true. like... Yeah, he's imprisoned in Nepal, which again, a whole new country to add to this like story. And this Dutch embassy person, his name is Herman Kippenberg, and he and his girlfriend. Well, I don't know what it is with the accomplices and the girlfriends in the girlfriend. story, but like everybody brings their girlfriend. They're like, you know what, work. Let's take the girlfriend <laughs> along. Well, they they make girlfriends because the girlfriends buy into their logic, right? This woman did, right? She completely she bought into she um, bought into his logic. And it wasn't in vain either, because as far as like Charles was concerned, he was at the height of his career when he started being taken down. Homeboy was making stacks on top of stacks on top of stacks. And he was just getting away with anything and everything because people are reporting the murder and then just letting it go. Because what are they going to do? The family isn't from that country. And then now you have to go through all this processes and legal fees and, you know, basically like tracking it down in a whole new foreign place where a lot of them don't even know how to go through that process. It's just what are you going to do about it? Who's even really going to know if they're missing? Because a lot of these times, these backpackers don't have anyone like back home that cares that much about their disappearance either. So, Yeah, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I thought the series was very well done. What do you think about the technical details on the series? Uh, okay, I will not lie to you. The first few episodes I was kind of struggling you know because I was like it takes a while for the story to get on its feet before you're like oh my gosh like he's almost about to catch him like oh my god like he's almost there you know before all the little um details I think it gets a little repetitive at some points like it's the same little like timeline going like 
pictures and then like story and pictures and story and pictures and story. And then, you know, at one point I was like, okay, this is, this is like a little too repetitive. Like, can you advance the story further? Can you go faster? It is slow. It is slow. I will say that at the beginning with the first two, three episodes are kind of slow. Yeah. So, I, thought, I thought the first three episodes, they were just trying to set the character and the, yeah. and the tone. And, but, but you know, in a series on Netflix, you don't take that long to set the tone, even if, right. you know, you're setting the tone of a character calculated sociopath and and of course his game with with uh, Kippenberg and you know all that and then of course the 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 um the the way uh, his girlfriend Leclerc who alternates being fear, uh, between fearing him as a partner or enabling him she she enables him with just the ease with which she kind of fears him right so so that entire pent that that entire game in the first few episodes especially kind of is easy easily lost because uh, the momentum is so slow and really establishing yeah right so because i had read a little bit about what the show was before i watched it i knew that i should probably wait until it gets to a chase part not because like there were anything online that says wait three episodes into the show but i understood i was like at some point this has to pick up right like he has to catch him so like we're gonna get to that point but if i was just scrolling on netflix and it was just a casual day for me and i was like this looks good and say i'm one episode in two episodes in and by that point maybe even three i would move on because i don't know what's gonna happen next it would it would just it would just dump my interest because it is so slow to build momentum i wish i would start with a chase because that's a hook um so i think uh, we have to let netflix know that the directors could have literally put the hook in the front and maybe maybe done the rest of the story building the characters up in a in, in flashes back and forth because that's how yes. the story would have made more sense to everyone and also not been boring yeah i mean have do you remember when we did the last hour and we reviewed the last hour it was so good it starts off so the last hour actually makes absolutely no sense in the first like i would say five ten-ish minutes because it's all based on a flashback but it's so intriguing that you watch you're like what's happening how is he like in an afterlife, like someone's dying, someone's reading thoughts, like what's going on. And then they explain bits and pieces of the background as the story progresses. So they find ways to like build the character while still keeping the suspense going. And they only relate the building of the character to that suspenseful moment. So it's just enough to capture your attention and give you enough information before they move on to the next part of that suspense, which I think would have been a perfect way to actually lay out the serpent. But instead they go in the same like back and forth timeline, but it ends up being really confusing at some points because I'm like, why are you showing us this when it has, it's just like related to the overall crime, but it's not related to the moment that just happened. So I'm like, okay. And it takes a bit of brain power to be like, okay, I guess like this is what their overall, like the investigation is what it looks like. But then in the, in the moment, like for example, he's like tracking down one specific clue and then they're showing us pictures of like things that have already happened in the past. I'm like, okay, but I thought we already connected these dots. Why are we back here again? So, so there are some moments like that where I'm like, that wasn't tasteful. Yeah, and and uh, to your point that you you actually read about the show, and uh, so did I. Because uh, if you have to do some research to learn learn about a show, it's never a good sign uh, to feel that you have to do extra reading to really understand what what, what a show is. Simply because the show fails to deliver it to you in in in, in its writing. Um, and there's a modern trend of chronological playfulness that TV writers think that, um, you know, it enhances a project, especially a project like The Serpent. But nothing drains tension in a project like, you know, if you if, if the show is lacking, if the writing is lacking, the narrative cohesion and, and, and the audiences have to go and literally piece together chronological retellings of historical events just to figure out what's going on in the show. And that's what Serpent was for me. I had to go read about Charles Sobraj a lot more. Of course, I'd heard about him, but I didn't really pay so much attention growing up to, to what he was doing, what he was all about. But yeah, I had to go read about it so that, you know, they watch the show. Mm-hmm. 
So and 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 then uh, of course uh, I couldn't really also decide if if that character was supposed to be um, evil or he was he was just he, he just enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was he was he doing it because he's sociopath and he enjoys it, or was he doing it because he's sociopath and he's just damn evil or creepy evil, or is he doing it because it's just the opportunity was there and he's habitual because most sociopaths are just habitual. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't too sure about that part of his character as well. There's no, uh, for for somebody somebody a show profiling a sociopath like Subraj, I'd I'd hope that some more insight into into the way his mind works would have been mm-hmm. a little helpful yeah. in really aligning yourself with the character um, but none, of, none of that happened in the show at all it was so so screwed up that way you know what I mean they focus on the point of view of Kippenberg a little more than they focus on Sobraj and then the one thing I realized is you never really know the motivations so for example when you told me all about Sobraj's background like where his parents are from and now you're like oh he's French and I'm like okay well I see like there's some disgruntled family trauma that might have caused like an unstable future that now you know is leading to him like killing or doing whatever he has to do and then he ends up being so good at it now he's like a serial killer you know you you like follow the motivation just a little it's like uncovering why Hitler did what Hitler did sort of like essence of the things the stuff that you miss in the history books but then you go off and you learn about later so because we don't have the motivation we only follow the story in real time or like real time essentially true true and also because whatever questions i had about this guy and the way his mind worked because this is what you really watch such series for series for to know how this criminal mind really worked right Mm -hmm. if he was a genius or he was just stupid <laughs> to be doing it so so all the questions that remained before the eight episodes remained after the eight episodes none of them were answered in that entire writing back and forth so yeah he's a monster he was a guy who 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 just looked at an opportunity and he saw people as disposable uh, things right um but whatever they said in those eight episodes they could have literally made a two-hour movie out of it and we'd be done this is the feeling that I got comprehensively. I do agree with that, actually. 100%. So, so go, no, go, Shreya. I'd say it's a five. It's a very flat five. If you're at the point where, you know, you've kind of watched your squid game all over Netflix and you don't know what else to look at, then maybe. But I wouldn't go out of my way to be like, oh, yeah, today I'm going to finish another episode of The Serpent, which kind of confuses me because it had such a high rating with the UK audience. I'm not sure why it's not as like translative over here. Is that even a word? I, I didn't get that, too. If, if it's done well in UK, normally it should be doing well in America. But Right. Oh, we'll know the numbers, though. Right. We will. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Kriti Karbanda, and you're listening to me on Beasties Live. Download Z5 right now and watch out our Fairy releasing on the 23rd of July. Can't wait to hear what you have to say, so do tag us on social media and tell us your feedback. Beasties.live. Shreya and Miral back again. Shreyal, as we call ourselves now. It's a ship name. And, you know, before we say bye to you today, we have to tell you about this really amazing interview that I ended up having with Rajiv Satyal, who is an Indian-American comedian. He is probably the first person who has uh, performed comedy um, in all seven continents. He is just amazing. He just coming out with a new show and on the show are practically all famous Indian American people that he's spoken to and interviewed. So Rajiv, of course, was born in Hamilton, Ohio, and he earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Materials Engineering from the University of Cincinnati before he started comedy. And um, here's an excerpt of what we spoke to him about. Here we go. Hello, everybody. We're back at Daisy's Dot Live Show on Radio Zindagi and on our podcast, the Daisy's Dot Live Show. We have with us today 
Rajiv Satyal. Rajiv, welcome to the show. We've been talking of doing this for a very long time. Namaskar. It is great to be with you, Mira. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to be with you during, uh, what is it, Nashera, Diwali coming up? A lot of festivities happening right about now. I know. It's holiday season everywhere. I mean, not not here in America, but uh, of course in India, it is holiday season. So tell me more about, let's get you introduced to our, uh, our listeners and our audiences. Tell us more about who is Rajiv Satyal. Rajiv Satyal is a father now, so that's a big oh, thing. Oh, congratulations. Interview I think I'm doing as a father. Thank you very much, Mira. And it is quite something. So he is a little over two months old, and his name is Naveen, and we are just on cloud nine. Hersha and I, my wife and I, are just so happy and so proud to finally be parents and, you know, participate in that most human of experiences. So a lot of new material coming everybody's way because I can only, I can only imagine. So tell us more about yourself, your upbringing, you were born here in the United States. How was your entire process of upbringing? How did it contribute to you um, choosing your career? Sure. Well, I was born outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, although sometimes like I like to say I was born outside of London, England. I was born in Ohio, but that's outside of London, England. It just sounds more exotic to say it that way. So I was born in Ohio and I grew up there, spent 30 years of my life there, and I've spent 15 years in California. So that gives away my age. And it was amazing. It was great growing up Indian. Indian parents were Punjabi. I married a Gujarati. So we're them, you know, through and through. They see. Through and through, Daisy, and now you have a very Daisy name for your kid as well. Naveen, old school Indian. What made you choose that name? And we had jokes about this. We liked the name, but also it was uh, maybe the only Indian boy's name that looks phonetic, right? I mean, if you look at it, white people can go, that's Naveen. And there are not many Indian names on anywhere on the gender spectrum, boy, girl, anywhere where you kind of go, oh, yeah, it looks exactly like that. That's hard. Even Rajiv, I got Rajiv from the white people. I got Rahiv from the Latinos. So, you know, it's hard. It's hard to find unless you have like R-A-J-E-E-V. Some people spell it like that. And that way, I think probably you can get it across. So we were with Naveen. We're like, do we go with an I or an E-E? And I go, you know what? I probably like the way it looks more with an I, but the way it sounds with an E-E. Oh, lovely. So how did you come, come around being a comic? You are, you born to Indian parents, for God's sake, you should have been a doctor or an engineer. Yeah, well, I actually got into a six-year medical program. I got a degree in engineering. <laughs> I know my parents were pretty bummed that I didn't go to the six-year medical program. I knew but, that was coming. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, why? As a doctor, you see people at their worst. As a comedian, you see people at their best. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you go to the doctor when you're hurt or when you're sick. I don't want to see people when they're hurt, when they're sick. I want to see them when they're laughing and happy. Well, that's great logic. That's logic that everybody should should apply with their parents. If they want to be a comic, here's logic. Why Absolutely. you want to be a comic? So um, and now that when you, when you decided being a comic, how hard was, was it for you to break in? I know it's super hard, right? It is difficult. I mean, look, I think it's relatively easy to get some degree of success where you're maybe starting to do some shows and you're getting up in comedy clubs and it looks impressive to your friends. And it is impressive to do any part of it, I think. You know, it's just I think there's a common misconception that you're either you either become Russell Peters or then you're broke. And it's like, you know, there's a whole spectrum of success all the way up to there beyond. And, you know, I've had a lot of support from the Desi community. That's where I started. I performed at a friend's graduation party for $75. That was my first gig ever. And, you know, I I have to say that the community has been very supportive. I think sometimes Indians, South Asians, Desis, whatever you want to call us, get a bad rap for not supporting each other. But I've actually enjoyed quite a bit of support from the community. That's brilliant. So now that you're here, um, what advice would you give to other kids? We know a lot of kids who are in that spectrum of trying to break into um, whether it's acting or it's comedy or, you know, just just gigs or, or just serious work. Um, is there enough work for us out there? And, and are we not stereotyped? And what is the future of an Indian comic in, in America? I think it's the most exciting time because, you know, a lot of the easy jokes have been done. You know, and sort of that's where you chip away at it. It's similar to how, you know, when a a community just first arrives here in 1965, like Indians have done, 
you get here and of course people are going to become doctors, they're going to become engineers, you're building a community. And not that you're only building an own island for brown people, but that's what it's going to be. You're going to play it safe. And then people, you know, then it became like an engineer is okay. And then it was like, okay, maybe a lawyer is okay. Okay, you know what, if you start your own business, it's okay. And then it came all the way down to like, what do you, what can you really do without? Well, you can do without entertainment. It's not fun. Uh, I don't like to believe it's fun. I don't like to think that we could live without it. But you really cannot live without a doctor. You really cannot live without engineers who are going to build things and things like that, or lawyers who are going to sue people, you know, whatever you need to do to get through your day. So at that, it's a, it mirrors that, you know, and similarly in comedy, like a lot of the easy jokes have been done. And some comedians are still doing them. And that's one piece of advice I would give is like, Talk about your own stories. Talk about the things that you've gone through. And, you know, the typical traditional, like, my Indian parents are like this. And if your parents are really like that, then that's fine. But, you know, <laughs> if your parents were a little bit more progressive, then, I don't know, maybe don't throw them under the bus. <laughs> yeah, true. But, but, you know, there's so much comedy happening on TikTok every day where they see kids making those, you know, 30-second 30, 30 spots on how the parents were growing up and, you know, the Indianness of the situation. Um, I... Of course, there have been a few uh, Indian comics that have broken, uh, broken through that, I mean, just talking about Indianism, and talking about Americanism. How do you see that confluence happen in your own career? I think there is a balance, right? Because my ethnicity is Indian, my nationality is American. So, you know, I have a studio now where I'm shooting a talk show and almost everything on the walls, you know, the, the brownness of it is me. It's me with all of the people who have been in the studio and the people I've interviewed. And a lot of them are South Asian, a lot of them are Indian. And, you know, I have Bollywood stars, I have people who have made it in Hollywood, et cetera. But when you look at the pop cultural references, they're almost all American. And, you know, that stands to reason. I grew up in Ohio. Of course they would be. I watched, you know, I grew up on American TV, American films. I didn't really watch a lot of Bollywood. I didn't listen to a lot of Bollywood music. So there's no point in putting up a bunch of stuff where you go, well, that's not really how you grew up. Your idea is to blend the two and say, okay, we're brown people living in this world that is created by, you know, brown, white, black, everyone. Yeah, so I do see this change, you know, uh, the generation before us, they were too shy to own up own the brown brown culture right because hey we were we were settling in but now this entire generation is more open to being brown they've created their own genre do you think this is going to grow to be a different genre just getting the brownness together with the american pop culture and creating a different genre space of our own comedy space of our own music space of our own uh, you know pop culture the the indian american pop culture it's a good question. I mean, it's something. It's a question I've asked a lot of my guests on my show, where I'm going. You know, what what is holding us back from going completely mainstream? Some of it is critical mass, right? So when you saw saw in the '80s BET, Black Entertainment Television, and you know, Black folks are 12 to 13 percent of the population. Then Latinos came along and are 12 to 13 percent of the population. That's a sizable amount. You know, if you take in all Desis, and this is like, I mean, all eight, you know, South Asian countries, we are maybe three percent, right? So there's, six six percent, around six million people. Yeah, it's not so many. Like when mm -hmm. you start to throw in other cultures as well, you get to five million, six million, whatever. Yeah. But you don't really have like, and that that is like South Indian, North and East, West. You have Muslim, you have Hindu, you have Christian, you have non-believers, you have all these folks. I mean, yes, that basic Desi culture, which is the dominant one in India, which is your you know Priya from New Jersey, right? That's kind of like your Priya Shah from New Jersey is like your at your, your that or in your Fremont, San Francisco, or you know if you're you're in Hill, on Hillcroft in Houston, all these different places, Devon Street in Chicago. Those are kind of like what we think of when we think of Desis. Um, does, is that culture going to break out and become a thing? It's like it has to an extent, but are we going to get to the point where we have like a Latin Grammys where we have people like that? Yeah, we will. We will get there. Uh, but so far, it's been a blending of that. So Mindy Kaling, Aziz Ansari, Hassan Minhaj, they still have done it kind of like it's a mainstream sort of way where we've kind of taken on, you know, the American characteristics. There's not a whole lot that they see about what they do. It's not a criticism. It's just more like playing that game. Will there be a blend like you're asking? I don't know that anybody has really pulled that off yet, even with music. There's there have been a couple of things like that, but there hasn't been this sound like a Motown sound or like a Latin sound that came out and became our own that's popular in America yet. But I think it'll come. Yeah, I'm hoping so too. But then, you know, even Hassan Minhaj has to pick up Indian politics to really go mass, right? Because just the number of 
number of the, just the audience size matters, right? So what do you think about that? Especially because I know you have a, a we're going to talk about your new show as well. So what do you think about your new, new show and the audience you're targeting it with? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. My new show is called What Do You Bring to the Table? And people can check out old episodes on watchrajiv.com. So watch, like a watch, W-A-T-C-H-R-A-J-I-V.com, of course, with the I, as we mentioned. And, you know, that's season one, and it has 12 episodes on it. Hassan Minhaj, Deepak Chopra, Purna Nancharla, Deepika Mandiala, a lot of people, the Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, so someone who became a doctor, and Nina Devaluri, our first Indian-American, or sorry, first Indian Miss America, I should say. So yes. that was a big deal, some great first in there and people are doing other things as well so we just filmed all of season two and we have some really really exciting guests that we filmed uh same caliber if not bigger and we'll be releasing those soon so that's the show that you can find you can find me and follow me on at funny indian on instagram and and uh youtube and places like that so new episodes will be coming out so it's really exciting to talk to people who are south asians who you know, generally have at least 100,000 followers on social media and or they're on, they're doing things that have that. So if they're on an NBC show, they're on Netflix, whatever, we want to talk to you. So what do you think about audience? Wouldn't you want it to go really mainstream to the Desi audience and not just Desi Americans? Yeah, I think that's an important thing, too, is to talk to people in the motherland and Bharat itself, right? People who are going to actually tune in from India. It's interesting because I performed in 11 states in India, and I might have been the first person ever to do an hour of stand-up comedy in India. I think that probably is true. And they laughed? Bangalore, I did it. And I, I did At your hour. jokes? They got your jokes? They laughed, yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't have done well, an hour, right? I would have stopped. Uh, there's no way I would have gone on that long. I, if, I, if, it were, <gasps> if it were a bombing, I would have stopped. I, I think I was contracted to do 40. I think it was like, you have to do 40. And I would have stopped at 40 minutes and one second if it were bobbing. But if we're, if we're killing, you're doing well and you every performer wants to go on longer. So, but now the challenge is, you know, I'm friends with a lot of the Indian comedians from India. And that's the thing is like, the audiences there find Indian Americans and NRIs in general interesting, but they want their homegrown content, which makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. They, yeah. They, they want to hear the people who grew up there, who do a little bit in Hindi or Tamil or Punjabi, whatever, and they know the references, of course. So that becomes more of a challenge now for if you're an NRI going to perform in India, it's not as easy as it was maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, and the jokes are different. I mean, I know I know a lot of people have tried re repurposing Indian content to this audience. It might work in New Jersey, might work in New York, might to some extent because of the way the population is. It, it wouldn't work in Texas, it wouldn't work in Chicago, it wouldn't work in the Bay Area or, or California in general. So, mm. of course, that's a huge challenge uh, going mainstream as well. Well, uh, Rajiv, I know this is all the time that we have today, but but I know we're going to get you back for uh, maybe performance soon at, uh, on our show. But all the best with the new show. And we will, uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing all the, uh, all the episodes and, and all these chats. I hope, um, I hope uh, your show does well. And we, uh, we, we're all here rooting for you and your success. Well, thank you, Mira. I appreciate it. You know, we've given gift bags to all of our guests and they contain gifts from our community. So if you're a sponsor out there, if you've got a company, if you've got a jigsaw puzzle or a drink or a food or a snack or something you want to share with these amazing guests that are coming through, please get in touch because we're including them in gift bags. We're looking for sponsors. People are going to partner with us and things like that. And, you know, you get exposed to some pretty cool people that come across. And honestly, we want to do that. We can we can include things. We can include candles that are made by white folks, black folks, etc. But we want to we want to include things that are from our community. So please get in touch and let's see how we can partner up. But thank you for uh, having me on, Mira. It's really, really a pleasure and want to wish you a very festive holiday season. Happy Dushera, happy Diwali and Thanksgiving, Christmas, everything else too. Thank you so much, Raji. This was Raji Satyal on air with us today on our podcast and on the Seesaw Live show on Radio Zindagi. Raji, thank you so much for being here and take care and bye. This is our live and we're back after that amazing um, interview. Shreya, what do you think? I think it's fantastic. You know how we love comedy out here on Daisy's.live, everything from slapstick and dad humor to the well-intended pun. And I have to say, comedy and brains. Y'all, he didn't just start off in comedy. He wasn't some uh, someone who was just like, you know what, I'm going to have a comedic career. He started off in engineering, then yeah. realized he wanted to pursue comedy. Just like, like any other could. Thing. 
just like any other good Indian American kid. Yeah, we always do a doctor and engineering degrees, and then you know, stand-up comedian. You know, all in the mix. Then we do the rest. Absolutely. Exactly. But you know what? What I really like what he said was so. So when you know that the portion where I asked him about um, his entire experience, uh, because you know to really get the audience, Indian Americans are a limited community. I'm going mainstream as an Indian American comic. Um, you know, of course, a lot of uh, what he said is a lot of Indian American jokes have already been told. So how do you increase your your audiences? How do you make sure that you your voice is some, some something that can be heard by a lot more people? Like successfully, Russell Peters has done it. Uh, Hassan Mehnaj has done it. Um, so so is, is it only the only is the only way for Indian American comics to do that is, is to like create material made for India yeah, because that's where the audiences do come come from uh, and true. and and his uh, his answer was that there is there is hope that we could still do it here with a wider American audience if we are able to get them understand the Americanisms of being immigrants so I think um, I think that was important right there and his new show uh, you could catch it on I think 12 episodes dropping on watchrajeev.com and his new show has everyone um, of importance who's Indian, Indian American, including Hassan Mehnaj, by the way. So uh, take a peek and look look out for this uh, star, guys. Uh, support our Indian American uh, uh, theater artists, our Indian American comics, our Indian American musicians, our Indian American actors. And that's what we do here at Live. This is the hub for everything Indian American. Right, Shreya? 100% and fun fact there are actually Hassan Minaj is currently on his tour right now yes. so he is traveling everywhere and I am exactly. expecting great content out of it absolutely he's going to be here in San Francisco on 28th uh, I think 26 27 28th of November so don't miss Hassan when he's on the west coast here but also touring right now in America is a weird das the Indian Canadian uh, with Netflix of course because he's a Netflix star he's also been nominated for the International Emmy guys mm -hmm. This is amazing. And guess what? Uh, Sri Seni is our new Miss, uh, Miss, uh, uh, Miss America, Miss World America. Yeah, and yeah. she is Indian American as well. So here we go, guys. We're completely mainstream as a community. And let's all keep supporting each other and make this happen. Also, we do also want to claim, uh, just a disclaimer for everyone out there, with the recent controversy that is surrounding Hassan Minaj, Live does not support any of his views on the medical community. We are just simply reviewing his content for the sake of our reviews and our Bollywood media. Thank you, Shreya, for saying that. Absolutely. And coming to some gossip, did, did you hear this entire thing happening in India with Aryan Khan? No, I haven't. But he's always been a little controversial. Yeah, he he's had some. Yeah, he's yeah, had some yeah. bad experiences while he was at, I believe it's USC. You know, where he's been caught by paparazzi numerous times doing things that people believe are not for his age. But then again, that is also like controversial on what something is for someone's age and what it's not. So. So what what we really believe here at Daisy's Alive is that we don't like talking about other people's or even celebrities' personal lives. We like talking about their work, and for us, gossip would be always work related, and and we don't want to be the platform that 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 kind of just accuses people of doing things mm -hmm. or, or or creates gossip or, or reports something that is untrue and not verified. So we stay away from most controversies that are unverified. But what happened uh, over the last few days was, it was really disheartening for a lot of Shah Rukh Khan fans and they're up in arms and they're on the streets and they're supporting Shah Rukh Khan like like they always do. Uh, the Indian government needs to remember that they are a billion people in India, but Shah Rukh Khan has three and a half billion fans the world <laughs> over. <laughs> and 
that is amazing. I'll tell you something. A reporter reporter said to Shahrukh Khan, uh, you know, now if all your movies are gonna get boycotted because this entire episode happened with your son, and Shahrukh Khan said that'll take a lot for you to do. <laughs> you don't know who I am, but but you know, Shahrukh Khan is a, is an honest, intelligent, true person and a great father to his kids, and uh, you know he respects his kids and their choices. But for the National uh, for the Narcat Nar Narcotics Bureau in India to retain their their hold over Aryan Khan, Aryan Khan went with friends on a cruise, and the NCB, with the Nar Nar Narcotics Bureau of the administration, conducted a raid and caught some uh, kids with with drugs on them, nar narcotics on them. They couldn't find anything on Aryan, or or they tested his blood, and he hasn't consumed anything either. But they're still keeping him in custody for questioning. Where another minister's son drove over a over over a crowd and killed a few people, and he hasn't even been arrested so far. So this is infuriating for a lot of Sharuk fans. The fact that the NCB would take Aryan on Friday for a bail hearing, and the court says we don't have the jurisdiction to give you a bail, and. And, and the kid has to be in prison over over uh, the weekend just because they took him to the wrong court again was something that infuriated the fans again. Now, from Shahrukh Khan's point of view, here we are. We are we completely support what's right. We have no opinion about. We don't have data that proves that Aryan isn't the wrong here, mm -hmm. and and the fact that for some political reason somebody's messing with this kid and his life. Is something that is shameful, truly shameful. Right. So we're here supporting Shahrukh Khan fans, and we always will support the right thing, and we we will always work with data again. So um, so again, fans of Shahrukh Khan, we're here to support you, and we will support data, and we will not support the untruth. So here we are again, and um, this is the end of our show this week, Shreya. Actually, before we close off, Merle, I wanted to take a second to talk about all of the wonderful reviews we have received in the past week on our Facebook page about our show. There have been so many people who are saying, like, this is the best review site for South Asians to watch. You know, they're like, we're so cute. They're like, we're best in business. Someone talked about specifically Scott, Merle, and I, and we and how we're the best and the funniest. And thank you. We always want to like, you know, put a shout out. I know we talk about Twitter so much on this platform and we don't really give Instagram and Facebook as much of a shout out as we should, but we appreciate every single review all of you leave us and we read all of them, we promise. Thank you so much, guys, for for reviewing us like that. And you know, yes, we don't give Facebook and and Insta so much so much attention, but you know, Facebook community is very active. Every time we post a review of a show or a movie, the the comments, the interaction, how people come and tell us how they feel in DMs and posts. Thank you, guys, so much for for placing so much trust in us to get you the right news and get you confirmed information, but also for appreciating our, our tone, our, our brand, and also the sincerity with which we're doing this. Thanks again. With that, it's time to say bye. Shreya, you want to yeah. say bye? I will. All right. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Shreya and I'm Miral and we are Shiral and we're saying bye to you for this week.